Welcome. We are live with James B. Hodge and Mark yes. Zanetto. Here we are, James and Mark Save the World, episode eight, I believe. It's been a little bit. We took a yeah. took a little hiatus for holiday season and everything that goes with it. Um, but we're good. It's good to be back, and it's a fri- It's a freaky Friday special. We're both wearing glasses. Oh no, you took your glasses off. I put mine. Oh, I put on. Everybody wants. To, there we go. This couple of nerds. Movie. Yep, couple of nerds doing a podcast. I like it. That's what we should. That's what we should have called the show. <laughs> my, my old man readers. These are just. Yep. They're just when I need to read something, guys. I, I love it. Best eyesight, close up, far away, didn't matter. It was better than twenty twenty. It was incredible. People like were in awe of my amazing vision, and now I have to hold my phone like an old man. It's it's embarrassing. You text like this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I resized the stuff on my screen. Oh, Jesus, that's how you know you're getting real old when yeah, you resize yeah, yeah. it. Oh, God. Oh, man. That's cool, man. Yeah. Well, I, how, it was good. I, I got sick on Christmas Day. Um, quick quick little story from my, my holiday vacation. We went to Virginia to, to Catherine's uh, side of the family and um, stayed at my sister-in-law's house, and we went to her grandfather's. Her grandmother's family was there from Michigan and Toronto, lovely people who proceeded to listen to me piss out of my asshole for at least six hours um, and throw and throw up at least once or twice. Really? And the last time I threw up, I got out of the bathroom and they left. <laughs> so well, I was like, you spread it to them. Hopefully they got sick too. That's the only thing we can really dream for. That's the only thing I could hope for. But I just said to Catherine, I was like, it made me feel so like inadequate that like literally because it was like a different table like they were eating at a different table they're younger not younger probably in their 20s and <laughs> I like walk out and they were like putting on their coats like let's let's uh let's get the fuck out of here this guy's been shitting his brains out for multiple hours <laughs> awesome. so yeah it was a great christmas uh outside of that it was it was fine but it was a 24-hour bug sucked but again very relaxing i didn't have to work it was a good time what about you yeah, the uh, similar, the whole family was basically sick for the entire Christmas break that the kids were home. Um, the only real, ex- we had a trip to New York planned. We had a mm. trip to Myrtle Beach planned, both in that time period between like before New Year's after, like before Christmas was one and then before New Year's was the other one. And they both got uh, canceled and rescheduled. And, and it's just, it just a bummer, man. It was like, we were just all all of us, you know, one of the kids brought the flu home and then it just spread through the house and we were just all down for the count. And so it, uh, it was a rough holiday season. It yeah. Really yeah. Luckily, um, Victor didn't get sick. Uh, Bear was with his mom. He was fine. And, and Catherine had one, like she had to come home from work cause she felt sick, but she really didn't have like what I had. So that, that was a good thing. Yeah. Um, but no, it was, it was, I, I'm just saying it was like a flu bug light. And uh, I'm, I'm appreciative of that because I got to enjoy most of my holiday except for the actual day, Christmas day. Um, well, listen, I, a lot's going on since we, since we last talked. Um, like what? You know, What's going we, on? <laughs> there's, I, but because of who you are and because of the circles you've run around with the Chappelles and Danelle Rollins of the world, I have to ask you, and I'll be the moderator on this one because I'll give you my thoughts. But I have because you're a comedian. I am not a comedian, even though I pretend to be one on TV. Um, what do you think? What do you make of the Cat Williams interview with 
Shannon Sharp. Well, one, I'm I didn't sit there for three hours and watch the whole thing. I read through the highlight. I like I read an article that had the highlights in it. Um, you know, I, I think the the guy had an incredibly successful career. He's at the tail end of a couple of years past the tail end of when he was, you know, selling out big theaters and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you go from making, you got to understand if you sell out a five to 6,000 seat venue, you're leaving that night with a check for a quarter of a million dollars. And he was doing that 80 nights a year, you know, at least probably yeah. maybe more than that. So, I mean, think about it. That's, that's 20 mil a year just from his stand-up. That's not including what he was making on specials. That's not including none of that. It's just, I mean, merch, nothing. Just the checks he got from the big promoters. Mm-hmm. Now, he's probably filling up a, you know, 800 to 1,200 seat room 30 times a year, maybe something like that. And so he's gone from 20 million a year to probably something more like a million or two a year, if he's really lucky. That's an incredible change in lifestyle. And with that comes anger, bitterness. Um, He didn't get to become a movie star in the way that he thought he was gonna. He, I think he blames Kevin Hart for some of that because Kevin Hart- Yeah, he does. Because Kevin Hart was willing to do roles that Cat now, after the fact, claims that he turned down. That he said he wanted rewritten. Yes. So, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I I, I know among a lot of the bigger named uh, black comics, it was it was important to them to never wear a dress. Mm-hmm. Um, others didn't care. They were like, it's funny. It's a joke. So why yeah. not do the joke? And I don't really have an opinion one way or another about that. Um, for me, if it's funny, it's funny. And I feels like there's a little bigotry mixed into some of that anyways, but that's not for me to say. That's that's their views. I'm not saying that's where they come from. I'm just saying it kind of seems like if it's funny, why not be funny? No, but, I, I'm with you on that. Um, I, let, I, let, me get to the, let me get to these two highlights. I don't have the video of it, but this is, he said, because it wasn't just Kevin, okay? It wasn't just, oh, it wasn't I know, just Kevin. I know. It was, it was a lie. <laughs> He went after he went after Cedric. He went after Steve Harvey. He went after Ludacris. He went. After, he also said. He also said. This is my favorite quote from the Cat Williams interview with Shannon Sharp. He said, "I'm an old man, but right now I can go out and rub a run a sub four three forty. Right now, <laughs> it's like everything you said in this interview." Is false. I, I don't give a eighty pounds. I have no idea how fast he is. Now, yes, obviously uh, he can't run a sub four three four. I don't That's give a shit if he weighed fifty pounds. I know there is he is so he's a he's an elite NFL quarterback. Quarterback is what we're we're at, we're saying. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, bro. Like no, just it, just in in, in in his persona always makes me laugh because. He's so tiny. Like he acts like there isn't a video of a teenager bodying him and strangling him at a park. Like that's all. That's literally like he acts like he's a physical. He literally acts like he's Shannon Sharp. No, he acts like a guy that got bodied by a teenager. That's what he yeah. really acts like. I mean, that's the truth of the matter. Is he he acts like somebody that 
has lived his entire life as this incredibly small person who had an insane amount of success for a short, for a, actually a pretty long period of time. Oh yeah, I like Cat Williams. I think he's funny you as know, hell. He's funny. He's and but things didn't work out like he was hoping it was going to work out. He and I think now he's got a lot of justifications for why he didn't become the biggest star in the world. You know, because every upcoming in my age group, um, which is basically the same as like Chappelle's age group. Yep. Coming up, we wanted to get to George Carlin slash Richard Pryor levels. And Chappelle managed to pull that off. Rock managed to pull that off. Nobody else really did. Kevin Hart, sort of, but not as a stand-up. Right. I mean, Cat Williams, while I'll say he's definitely one of the 10 best, you know, black stand-ups of all time, probably top 20 all-time stand-ups period but he he was never he was never quite prior and that's that was the goal when that was the goal and you don't get there that's tough rock got there Chappelle got there that's it they're the only two that have gotten to prior's level of success as a stand-up and success as a you know movie actor let me ask you a question off of that um not about whether he, why he wasn't or whatever, whatever his, whatever his justification is, because I'm not getting off this topic. It's too good to, to not talk about it. So my question is, why do you believe if you go on social media right now on X or Facebook or whatever, that the majority of people side with Cat Williams over, say, Kevin or Cedric or Steve or Ludacris? I mean, there's a lot of bitter people out there, like, especially among, look, when I go on social media, most of my friends at this point that I, that that I interact with enough that they show up in my feed are other comedians. Yeah. Most of those comedians never came close to being even like a Matt Rife level success. Um, And again, same thing. Cat wanted to be prior a lot of these other guys wanted to be Cat Williams' level of success or sure. just a headliner, you know, period. And when you can't – when you set that dream, that goal, and you don't get there, those guys get real bitter and angry sometimes. And so when somebody like Cat Williams comes out and – I mean, I think everybody can admit that Cedric the Entertainer is not the greatest comic in the world, but he's fine. He's a serviceable mid-level headliner. You know, he's he's not he's not crushing it, but he's relatively funny in the movies he's been in. He's pretty good. He's not what about the what about the claim from Kat that Cedric stole his his best joke and like turned it around in Kings of Comedy? I mean, I look, I have absolutely no idea uh, if that's true. Uh, The joke thief thing is is tough because there is overlap. Sometimes people write the same joke. And usually, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but usually the jokes that people get the maddest about somebody stealing, you're like, anybody could have written that joke. Like the people that get the most (laughs) upset about a joke getting stolen, um, outside of like first five years as a comic, first five years as a comic, man, every joke is precious. Joke thieves are monsters. But like the really, the really good only this comic could do it jokes that you'll hear from like a Chris Rock or that you'll hear from George Carlin, that kind of thing. Like those jokes are kind of unstealable to some sure. extent. And so I uh I while I am I am 
probably faster than most to be the comedy police and be like, hey, dude, that's not your joke. Or, hey, dude, somebody else already did that joke. And I'm, I'm, I try to keep that outside of public consumption only because I think it's usually a mistake when a comic does it and it's rarely intentional. And I think when it is intentional, um, those comics aren't going to make it far anyways. And I'm sure Cedric wrote a joke very similar to one Cat wrote. Maybe he had heard Cat do the joke and didn't remember having heard him do it. I don't know. It's just... The, the, the claim I mean, is this. No, just to give you context. So I, I watched that portion of it. And so Cat says that Cedric saw him do the joke, came backstage in the green room and said, hey, man, that joke is fire or whatever, you know, was said, blah, blah, blah. And then Kings of Comedy came out and he ch changed the joke from Cat. You, you, I think I don't even know what the context of the joke is, but there's a ride. Like he, they're, so they're driving in, in a car somewhere, right? That's cat. That's cat thing. Cat's thing. And then Cedric turned it into a spaceship. Like he just tweaked it and said, literally did his joke verbatim and turned the the vehicle into like a big. Yeah, know, wasn't special. I have, I have absolutely no idea. Just saying. I mean, and like I, I don't know the like. So for me, uh, like if, look, if I was sitting down with those two guys and we watched the clips of him, and I was like, bro, that's his joke. Like that would be, <laughs> that would be one thing. But right. in terms of, I mean, unless it's somebody like a Carlos Mencia, like that level, I don't know if the public shaming thing is necessary. Like I'm going to give it's you also, But he's also kind of, okay. um, one of my very best friends in comedy, one of the comics I respect more than anybody else is a guy named Mo Alexander. Yeah. I know Mo. Ever met Mo? Um, I met him once. I follow him. And an amazing, com amazing comedian. Uh, Mo, a while back, uh, long before the special that Chappelle just put out um, came out, and before Chappelle was even working on the material for this special, um, Mo has a joke where he's talking about a knife that identifies as a gun. Um, it's a really good joke. Um, as a matter of fact, his version of that joke is significantly better than what Chappelle did. Uh, Mo's joke is better. I love Chappelle. Look, I love both of those guys. I love Mo. I love Dave. I love both of those gentlemen uh, as comedians, as friends, as people that I respect. Um, very similar jokes. Um, one of Mo's friends uh, had done some shows opening for Chappelle. Um, and I, I think more than likely what happened is they were probably sitting in the green room. Chappelle was talking about something. And that mutual friend, without even thinking about the fact that it was Mo's joke, probably in reference to Chappelle's bit, went, oh, yeah, 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 it was, a, it was a knife identifying as a gun, like kind of thing. Chappelle heard it, not in the context of seeing somebody doing it on stage. The line got stuck in his head. Now it's on the special that he just put out. Mm -hmm. I think that is, I would put money on the fact that that is exactly how that happened. That it I do not think that Dave Chappelle consciously went out of his way to steal Moe's joke. I think Dave, in a roundabout way, probably did hear a mutual friend of theirs mention the joke. And that mutual friend isn't me, by the way. Um, and, <laughs> like, and, he, and like, because when Moe saw Dave do the bit, um, he was at that show because his friend was uh, was opening that show and went to the show. So most yeah, I gotcha. 
And like, and you know, so, you know, Mo reached out and was like, Hey, look, what's, you know, this is kind of a thing. And it never really got cleared up as best I know. And it still ended up on Chappelle's special. So I, but again, so I'm not sure what happened with that um, in terms of how they worked it out, but I don't think consciously with any, or with any ill intent, Chappelle lifted that line. Sure. Um, but I am fairly sure that that line got to him from where Mo had written it. And the line works perfectly in Dave's joke, even though Mo's joke's actually a better joke because it's more polished and whatnot. But, um, but that line works perfectly. I mean, when you're talking about the situation that Chappelle was in at the Hollywood Bowl and a guy attacked him on stage with what looked like a gun and turned out to be a knife, that's yeah. uh, especially with Chappelle and as much as he likes to do trans jokes, uh, <laughs> like, like it's it's that I mean it's it's fitting, so it's a it's a tough situation to find it, and so like the Cedric and Cat and I I don't know I I think Cat believes that that's probably that's what happened. I think Cedric probably doesn't remember anything about any of it. Yeah, I mean. uh it's funny how success will make you forget about things, maybe things that you've done, even whether it was maliciously or not. Uh, but I mean, Sed's on network television. He's making bukus of money with that neighborhood show on CBS. It's probably yeah, already in syndication. Um, Steve Harvey's literally owns Miss, Miss Universe pageants. Like he's, you know, these, I feel yeah. like, I feel like my, the, the, my, analytical brain says cat williams just like you is a bitter old comic who is just a comic it has some really you're saying funny I'm a bitter old comic is that what you just said yeah, kind of kind of um i mean your beard is i mean kind thing kind of no i mean i just feel like he's a bitter old comic that has had some really funny bits of roles in different movies but has never really carried a movie um and probably because i mean as kevin hart's put it he's you know, hasn't shown up. He said, I mean, the thing that makes me laugh is like, he comes out and says things like, well, I, I don't do drugs. I've never done drugs. It's like, dude, come on, man. Like we, we all know that you were doing some shit. Like you're trying to tell me that he's been sober this whole time. That's not, that these are, who gives a shit if he was or not? Like who get, look this, because, because like, it goes to the heart of, of all of the things that people believe. If you lie about one thing, but then you say that you're not a liar. But you're literally lying through your teeth by totally looking in the camera. Totally agree. Totally agree with you. Your everything. I don't care. I'm just saying. No, everything you're saying is factually accurate. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with any of your points. My take on it is like for me. My take on this whole thing is it's silly that people are making such a big thing out of what Cat said and did in that interview, and not seeing it within the context of what's happening. Like, didn't he go after, like, Monique? Like, wasn't that No, one? he went after T Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, that's, well, it was enough. Okay, anyways. But, yeah, well, to the Tiffany Haddish stuff. Again, yeah. Tiffany Haddish, her career got to where it got to because Kevin Hart helped her get there. Of course. No insult in that. And no, and she admits that. It's, there's no problem there. You know, my career my career got to where it got to in part because of guys like Tom Simmons, guys like Chappelle, uh, guys like, you know. Yep. So it's, I mean, everybody gets lifted up. Cat got lifted up too. I promise you that. 
that other comics helped him get to the level of success that he got to. Now, what he's not doing is sitting there doing the list about people who helped him get there. Instead of being thankful, he's bitter and angry, and he doesn't have the money he used to have, and he's probably having tax issues because when you were making $20 million a year and now you're making $2 million a year, you were paying $8 million a year in taxes. Uh, Maybe you got behind a couple of years. Now you're looking at this massive – this is just an assumption because it happens – I'm always saying this because what happens to most athletes and entertainers who get to a certain level of success. Um, is that eventually the tax man turns into the enemy. Um, they can't get caught up on their taxes because they're not making, they're still spending like they were when they were making that money. But so maybe, and again, maybe, don't know for sure, um, but maybe it's stuff like that. There's a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness, and it's controversy. How else is Cat Williams going to get back to selling? you know, making $20 million An arena, yeah. Is he's going to have to be relevant again. And the easiest way to get relevant is to say something controversial and something shitty. Um, you go look at everything, any comic that has been talked about on a large scale in the last year, Matt Reif, controversial jokes. Chappelle, controversial jokes. You know whose special didn't get as much buzz as everybody else's? Chris Rock's. Even though it was better, he didn't do as many edgy jokes. So it didn't right. get, uh, I mean, Look at, I mean, look at some brilliant comedians like Roy Wood Jr. Roy Wood Jr. is as good as anybody in the game right now. But he doesn't get that media firestorm. And Netflix loves it because it promotes viewers. People, every, whether you love it or hate it, people go watch it. And so no, it, and listen, and to, to, Kevin, to Kevin Hart's credit, to Kevin Hart's credit, he, he literally put out a tweet or whatever. I don't even know. What you, do you call it tweets now? Even though it's X, like I, I, that's something that needs to we need to flesh out at some point. We need to save the world on that. Do we call it tweets or X's or whatever? So he put out a tweet that was just like, "Hey, um, he's like, you know, something about like, you know, some a line from his movie. It's literally a a, a thirty second spot of his new movie on Netflix called Lift. It's basically directed at Cat, and then he tagged him and said." Yeah, I guess you got to get all your anger out, brother. He's like, but don't forget to go watch my movie on Netflix. So, like, <laughs> listen, Ke- Kevin Kevin is funny. I, I don't like him particularly as a stand-up. I just don't. Like, he's not my cup of tea. He's got funny bits. Don't get me wrong. But um, his movies are pretty – they're decent. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they're they're mind, mindless fun, essentially, right? So, um, I mean, he, look, Kevin, it is what it is. He makes a lot of money. Who cares? He's not. I don't think there's anything worth criticizing about that guy other than, you know. No. And again, there, there was a point in my comedy career where it was really fun for us all to sit around and be like, you know, who's not funny? Kevin Hart. And all that. Like, whatever, right, man. Right. These guys are just, they're cash. They're just printing money at this point. So, so r- real quick, before we jump off this, uh, this subject, because it's about Kevin and it's about Dave Chappelle. Um, right. um, <laughs> I was listening to Two Bears One Cave, and uh, they're trying to do a, a 5K uh, in May, where anyone can go. You register for it, but they're trying to get as many comics to go as possible and like put on a show. And so they're like, so Bert is Captain Facetime. Like he'll be on a show and be like Facetime this person, and, and they'll be like, hey, we're doing Two Bears. And so he's like, dude, Facetime Dave Chappelle, and he's just like, and you could just feel Tom being like. Ugh. No, I don't. I don't want to ruin my relationship, right. just because you want to do a fucking bit on. And he's like, "Dude, do Chris Rock." He's like, "No, I'm not fucking calling these people on the air." So they did end up trying to Facetime Dave, who did not pick up. 
<laughs> and the only like the most famous, they had a bunch, Stavi, all their buddies. But then they FaceTimed Louie, who didn't pick up. And then they texted Louie, and he was just like, hey, man, can you come out of FaceTime? And he said, I'm with Tom. And he wrote back, Tom who? <laughs> and it's just all, it was just a really funny thing. And then he actually did come on. He was just like, not in a million years. And like, I'm going to do a 5K, so go fuck yourself. But it was just a funny bit. And it reminds me of like all of this. Like Some of these guys are just like, you know, they're, uh, I hate to say it, they're normal people. And I know you, you're friends with Dave Chappelle, so like, I'm not saying something that you don't know. But like, I mean, even if I was like, I haven't been in the same. Yeah, oh, okay. Several years so. again. You've worked with him. Whatever you want to say, it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to pump up your your right. status for for the sake of our show. I'm just saying, like, you've literally opened for him. You've been there. Do you, do you want so, me to FaceTime him? I would love for you to FaceTime him. But what I'm saying is, is like, I don't. I would never be like, hey man, I'm a huge Dave Chappelle fan. Can you? Can you like get him in touch with me? Like, that's just like not something you would do because you're not a douchebag, and like you would respect the relationship. So I just thought that was funny. Um, anyway, to move on, transition from this, it's another feud that we're going to talk about. Oh, boy. It's, it's been a fun few days of watching some of this shit. Aaron Rodgers, yay, was on the Pat McAfee show, which is simulcast on ESPN and YouTube and everything that goes with it. I have zero issue with Aaron Rodgers. I think he's kind of a pretentious douchebag just personally, but he's also like – there's no law against being a pretentious douchebag. There just isn't. Right. You know, he makes a lot of money. He's a four-time NFL MVP, all of that stuff, right? So he has this obsession of going on the, the McAfee show and talking about the vaccine and also talking about the Epstein list that some of, some of which has come out and some of it's been redacted, all that stuff. And he made a claim that someone that actually works at ESPN, ABC affiliate, on a show on ESPN, that Jimmy Kimmel is nervous about being on that Epstein list. Um, my question to you is this. As the resident comedian of this show, what is the difference between Jimmy Kimmel going on his late night show and making jokes about Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers making a joke about Jimmy Kimmel on ESPN? I mean, in theory nothing in practice Aaron Rodgers is look he's a great football player he's an incredible quarterback um Aaron Rodgers is uh the the dumb jock that thinks he's smart for sure um Jimmy Kimmel is the smart comedian who thinks he's athletic like it's what like they're very different guys the same um, person <laughs> Like kind of the same person. Um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a regular viewer of Jimmy Kimmel's show or anything. Sure. Yeah. But uh, but I do think he's, I think he's funny. Um, he was never, he was never really a comedian. Anyways, he's always just sort of been a host that does jokes yeah. that written for him. Um, and you know, a lot of people have some anger at him. So you know, Aaron Rodgers being one of them. So of course, he's gonna take shots back. It's petty. I, I'm here for it, though. I'm, you know, you know, popular. <laughs> no. like it's, but I, but I guess my point is, is like in this good show. So you, so you, so you said in theory, there's no difference, right? So why would someone like Jimmy Kimmel, who essentially has a platform to make fun of anybody in any context and hide behind the guise of it's just parody? Like I'm a, I'm a late night host. 
versus the normal person who listen say what you want about pat mcafee show and i love it i think pat mcafee is fantastic for espn it's a stuffy company he comes in he literally has a ticker on the bottom line that says anything we say on this program does not reflect my bosses so like he has an out to basically just be a wrestling host right, right. just uh, just a heel whatever and it's, and i think it's good for the brand of espn espn has become you know entailed with like disney and all the the issues we've we've talked about with them and it's just it, there's there's a show where mindless dummies like myself can go and watch interviews that are about politics or they don't really have but then he brings on Aaron Rodgers and does the it has the opposite thing happen so he has to apologize so i think it's kind of a funny juxtaposition but why is it not again i'm going off track but again you're Jimmy Kimmel, you're protected by, I'm a comedian, a late night host, and you have this ability to kind of just parody versus Aaron Rodgers, who's basically on a podcast. I mean, it's basically, it is a podcast that's on TV that he basically riffs and says some outlandish shit. Like, what's the difference? I mean, well, okay. One, the the, the accusation that uh, Jimmy Kimmel, as best I know, uh, has ever made about Aaron Rodgers doesn't involve pedophilia. No. Um, Aaron Rodgers was basically saying Jimmy Kimmel is about to get outed as a child molester. Like, and again, I, I'm, I have, again, I don't know. I've never been to Epstein Island. Um, apparently now these lists have come out. I have met some of the people who have, <laughs> um, but like I not knowing at the time. And now if I see them, I'll probably go, Oh, <laughs> but it's I I don't think it's I don't think it's some crazy like horrible thing that Aaron Rodgers did. Um, but at the same time, I I would I would side more with Jimmy Kimmel in this context just because Aaron Rodgers is the dumb athlete that thinks he's smart and he like he got his feelings hurt because he got called out for being exactly what he is. Jimmy Kimmel made fun of him for it, and now. He, he is sort of bitterly being like, oh, yeah, well, he's a child molester. <laughs> like, that's not exactly It's a jump. It's a leap. It's kind of a yeah. leap. Uh, I mean, maybe, no, I, were, I, I, maybe, maybe. But, hey, you never know. Maybe Jimmy Kimmel was a regular on Epstein's Island. I have no idea. The only I mean, thing that I've seen about that is that, um, <laughs> is that Jimmy Kimmel's chef, is going to be outed because there's pictures of him with Epstein and that is the connection. And so again, Aaron Rodgers and many people make those leaps that if you employ anybody that has any association, does that mean that Epstein and Jimmy Kimmel, like is this the only chef in the world that can perfectly like flambe, like a, a freshly mm-hmm. circumcised, like peanut, like what, how, like what is this like candle? Like what, like, is that the deal? Is there like some cannibalism involved? Is it, they're not only having sex with uh, kids, they're also eating uh, parts of them. And this chef is the only one that can make that magic happen and make it taste. Perfect. I don't know. Especially, I don't know. Like, like, and it's you know fertilized with like I don't know the breast milk of Ind- you know Indonesian women or something. Like, what possible? Who gives a shit? No, I just think I again it it, it just it, there's a there's a there's a there's an obsession. There is this wild, weird obsession that the entire world is a pedophile ring, 
and all of Hollywood is involved. Everything, everything that is in Hollywood is a cabal and, you know, goes back to the Cat Williams thing. My favorite, one of my favorite things he said about Ludacris was that him and Ludacris were at an Illuminati meeting. Okay. True story. This is what he said. I mean, and they had to make a choice. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, and they had to choose between which black person they were going to let in and give $200 million over to over 10 years. And Ludacris was who they chose because he did those fast 10 fast X movies or fast and furious movies. Look, man, I like, I look, I was offered membership myself. Like I, I went to a couple of early meetings um honestly i'm not really into the chanting thing so i passed but like i think you're talking about aa (laughs) (laughs) i don't think you're talking about what what they're talking about i don't Um, know it was weird there were a lot there were a lot of women in masks with no clothes on and stuff it was kind of strange have you ever seen eyes wide shut it was a lot like yes yes the only thing i've ever been to uh and i'll do a a, i'll tell you a quick story of when i was in um did we just freeze I don't think froze. So. No, we didn't. Oh, I didn't we froze for a hot second. It's all good. Um, no, when I was in LA, and this is in 2003, um, I did. we went to a party, uh, a couple of my roommates, and it was up in the Hollywood Hills, and it was this huge house, TV, you know, movie room, pool, everything, like exactly how you would see it in the movies, right? You know, people are outside drinking, hanging out a good time. And then in every room, there was a bowl of cocaine that you could just take. Like, like I'm talking like a serving bowl, not a, not a, Hey man, can I get a bump? Like do whatever you want. And there okay. were people I have having sex like here. Like, I have seen, I have seen like, like a small cereal bowl at a house and mo- there were multiple rooms where there was a cereal bowl amount of cocaine. Yeah. I, I have, I, have been- I, I would say because this was a, and this is again, this is 20 something years ago, but it was, it reminded me of, and it, it looked like a, um, like, you know, like the gravy boats that you pour gravy in on Thanksgiving, but crystal. And I would say it was like two, like big handfuls. Like that's how I would like that. Yeah. And like, but there was 10 rooms yeah. of this. It was not a, Let's be Hey, clear. this is the, <laughs> I don't care what level I look there. The idea that there is some sort of cabal out there that rounds up, kids and all this kind of stuff that is as far as i know nonsense what is absolutely 100 unarguably real is that incredibly successful wealthy men there is a pretty large percentage of them who for years had absolutely no issue and sometimes it was their preference to hook up with 16 17 15 year old girls that thought that by meeting this guy, they were going to get access to power and success. Those guys used those girls for sex um, and threw them away. And there are certainly people who were enabling that. Giselle Maxwell, the Epstein's lady friend, very much was involved in that and in, in basically allowing access to getting finding these young women and, and bringing them. There's a reason why every billionaire's yacht has a bunch of girls that have never coded anything in bikinis on the boat. And it's because these older guys, that's, they have access to it. They're going to take advantage of it. Um, it's gross. It's creepy. And I certainly wouldn't want any young woman. I, you know, care about or related to, to have anything to do with that. But 
it's a tale as old as time. It's not going to stop. It's not going to go away. Um, and hopefully people will just keep out and dudes that do that kind of shit. Women too, because there are also incredibly successful women who do the same thing to young women. I mean, and nobody cares about the young guys that that stuff happens to. So. No, because why, why do you think that is? Why do you think, why do you think men like us don't, that typically care when it's like unless it's, unless it's a unless it's gay stuff if it's gay stuff then yes it's, if it's straight if it's if it's if it's a woman and a man we're like yes pretty awesome yeah people are like look at him or good for him like you look at him having sex with that milf and all like really that you don't think he's also being emotionally damaged severely by at 16 years old hooking up with a famous rich 38 to 52 year old woman you don't think that's doing some damage to him Okay. Um, I do, but it, but it, I, I think, I don't know. I just think it's there's such a there's there is such a double standard with that. Um, it's a it's crazy, but uh, well, I think we've exhausted our feud talk for today. So we got the we got the Cat Williams versus Kevin Hart in the world, and then we got Aaron Rodgers versus Jimmy Kimmel. Um, but I'm look like I said. What, I'm, I like I both think they're ridiculous and silly and also it's endlessly entertaining it is and I hope they all are getting good promotion for whatever it is that they're about to release like so that they can now they're in the press and they're getting the media coverage they need and at this point if Netflix came to me and was like hey we'll give you four million dollars to do a special I'm probably going to spend a few months writing a couple of jokes that are going to get me canceled that aren't going to actually get me canceled that are just going to make people talk all this trash about me and then watch my Netflix special. And then I'll make, I'll get another Netflix special. Like that's, I mean, I'd do it too. I would, I'd go and write that super edgy joke. That's not actually edgy at all and go do it and watch everybody get mad. (sighs) It's pretty funny. It's it's, at this point, it's ridiculous to think it's anything else. Do you think Chappelle really has four specials worth of trans jokes and because he really gives a shit, no, of course not. But it's good promo. What I, you know, what I loved about his special to, to kind of talk about it very briefly is the new one, the one that just the, the dream. Yeah, though it wasn't my favorite, but I don't care because I think he's more of a he's to me. He was doing he was storytelling. You know, he had yeah. jokes. He had jokes, obviously, but he's at this point in his career, it's like he's a multimillionaire. What are you going to talk about? You yeah. know what I mean? So you're talking about your life. You're talking about the human condition, whatever. So um, his, I think the juxtaposition was just like, I love punching down. So I'm, so I'm going to make fun. Yeah. It's like everybody, like I love the fact that Dave Chappelle decided I'm just going to, everybody says you can't. So I'm going to do. So I will. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, if the easiest way, to get cheap applause is to offend liberals. Oh, easily. Right. You because the all the moderates laugh, all the conservatives laugh, and so, and you know, it's for as long as comedy has existed, it has also worked the other way. You can get incredibly cheap laughs from liberals by making fun of conservatives. Like it's it works both ways. It's whatever. I, oh, for sure. I just say I just. Keep writing the jokes you write. If they get laughs, keep doing them. Um, I just, Without a doubt. Who gets offended by a joke? A lot of people do, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, are they? Or are me, they just, you know, bots helping promote 
Chappelle's new special. That's also true. Hey, I've also come to come to this agreement with myself, essentially, that if I'm on X, because I post a lot of stuff about the Giants and you know sports related stuff, and I, sometimes I'll delve into politics and things like yeah, that. A lot of racism. If someone is weird. Like, is that a lot of racism? That's it's like seriously, guys. There's some really edgy stuff on there. There's some edgy shit out there. No, so when I post something, if someone gives me shit, I've it's I look at their username. And if it's just something that they've made up or whatever, it's usually a person. But I always have this rule. It's a troll farm or a person that's in prison if if they have the seven or eight digits that you would get as yeah, your oh, inmate sure. number in yeah. prison. Yeah. So I and and the best is when I I'll retweet it and then post like Hey man, when are you getting out? When, when are you? When are you? When are you getting out of? When are you get out of prison? Like, what are you in for? And it just infuriates that person even more. And they're like, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll fuck you up." And I'm like, "Oh, violent offender. Got it. Cool. All right. So, I five like, years parole." Is your day job arranging uh, Russian brides? Like, that's a. I like that. That's good. I have to use that. Anything. Anything to just. I love to just get a rise out of people. Like, and my favorite is when someone says. Hey man, you're you get a little worked up. It's like I'm I'm in I'm literally like on my phone or in my desk, like taking a thirty second break from my job to te- to type something. I'm like, I think I'm like pounding sand because you don't like my take. Oh no, I'm so upset. That that's my those are my favorite, and I just and I just keep egging those people on. It's the oh, best. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's fun. It's fun. a lot of fun. People think that people think it's a waste of time. I call it a hobby. I don't know what to tell Yeah, look, everybody, um, everybody needs a pastime, and you know, yours is being a football edge lord. So, yeah, it's fun. Now, what are what's this? I don't know if you saw this. You may not be able to say the name I'm about to put on our screen, but I want to know what announcers are going to do if this kid is playing for West Virginia next year, and. <coughs> They have to call his name because of the position he plays in football. So check out check out this. <laughs> that's a real that's a real person. I mean I don't know. <laughs> I mean I guess I love it. Say his name, right? Like what else do you do? They have to, right? I mean, we, I did an all I did an all name Here's team for a Giants. <laughs> like, Maybe the like, N is silent. I mean, as long as the K is not silent, I feel like you could say that name if it was your job to say it. I'm not gonna say it because I don't want somebody to take this clip and edit it. But uh, yeah, no, same. That's why it's a visual, and you do what you yeah. want with it. Anyone that's watching this, but I. Myself like and then a buddy of mine. Is it, is it a gnome named gnome situation? <laughs> I'll take it down. But so uh, I was joking around with some probably some comics that you know on Facebook, and I was like, he should change his last name to Naysayer because that was that whole the thing that was on yeah. the college football playoff. Yeah. <laughs> Let a naysayer know, and so every white guy in America is like, okay, I could I could say naysayer. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> well, have you like I've I don't know if we've talked about this, but um, have you like the new Twitter troll way of saying like Scholar, is, right? Then you tell me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, oh, I would guarantee naysayers jumping up that list because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hashtag naysayers. There's a hard, there's a hard, there's a hard end there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Is that naysayer? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the reality is like if if you're Kirk Herbstreet, you got to be shitting your pants. Like, what are you supposed to say if this kid's like the tight end for the fre- as a freshman and he catches a winning touchdown? I mean, I don't know. Maybe Noah for a touchdown. What was his first <laughs> number thirteen? Yeah. Noah. Oh, number ten. Oh, number ten. That's a number ten. Mister Noah. Yeah. You know, I, I laughed so hard when I saw that. This is gonna be the. You know, I was doing an interview before the game with Noah's mom, and she's a fine woman. She's a wonderful. You know, they put a lot of work into raising him to turning him into the good young man. You know what, old number ten? I'm. I'm rooting for that kid to have a long career. We're secretly being like, oh, God, I hope he breaks his tibia tomorrow. <laughs> no I, honestly, the, they hope that the, he's a walk-on and he never plays. That's the thing. Official visit to West Virginia officially canceled. Um, but I'll tell you what, the, the, the state of West Virginia is going to have a wonderful time saying that name because I would imagine that will, they will have no problem. Oh, God. <laughs> you ever wrong. Uh, do you remember? Uh, well, I can't remember his first name, but uh, his last name was Coon, the NFL player. Yeah. And when he would, you know, score, everybody in the stands would go, Coon. Yeah. Tom, it was. Uh, it spelled C U H N. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Simmons has a bit about that, about like him in college football that I hope everyone will go look up. Uh, it's very, it's very similar to this area, and Tom's bit is hilarious. So check, I look up Tom Simmons bit about football players and their names being called from the stands. I'm gonna I'll clip this and send it to Tom and be like, hey, I got a new I got a new guy that you can do a bit about. Yeah. You're like, nope. <laughs> He's like, I hope nope, they stands. Maybe maybe it'll I'll, maybe I'll send it to JD. JD can do it. Um, yeah, his his name is actually Kanoa um Charles. <laughs> yeah and it's like but it's all K. He's like it's Oh my god! It's it. I saw that and I was like, I have to talk about it on the pod. So, yeah, that'll be that'll be an interesting one. He's he'll be a freshman next year in college football, so we'll have to keep it posted. But there are some crazy like college football news. Like, is the internet like is the bots that clear stuff out? Like the algorithm, Ooh. are they gonna like pull stuff off that has his name? And if they do let it through, are people gonna start using that as a way to say it by throwing the K in front of it? It'll be interesting. Time. That's an interesting. We'll, yeah. We'll um, really, it comes back to, um, I just think at some point, people are just going to have to deal with people saying that word and just beating the shit out of people who do. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's just like. I'm, like a big, I, I, I'm a big fan of free speech. So if you want to say that word, you say it. And I'm also a big fan of someone punching you in the face for saying that word. Absolutely. I honestly think that there should be no consequence for the person that beats your ass when you say it, especially if it's in a derogatory way, even if it's not, and you didn't even mean it. Oops. Well, you get punched in the face, buddy. Like that's, yeah, that's just kind of arrest you for saying that word. But I do think the person you say that to or about should be able to walk up and punch you right in the dick. Like that's. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, I, again, I totally lost my train of thought after that because it, it just 
the 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 world we live in is hysterical and it just gets funnier by the day. <laughs> it really does. Good for like good for the world for being ridiculous. So I have to tell you, I know we haven't really talked about NBA uh yet today, which is perfectly fine because it sucks. Um uh the NBA. Yes. We talked we talked last time we talked, we talked about the ratings of the NBA. Right. Did you see the ratings for NFL football on Christmas versus the the ratings uh, of NBA basketball? I'm pretty Which sure is supposedly it was like the, but I'll, I mean, how many times better? Right, but again, you like there, how many basketball games are there a year? How many football games are there a year? It's of course, of course, there's going to be a lot more viewers because it's more scarce. Like it's no, it's because the product is better and people are more interested in football than they are in basketball. Like you it's just, really, it's a, really, if. If there were only 17 NBA games a season and then in a single elimination playoffs, you don't think people would watch the basketball games with closer ratings? Because the oh, I mean, reason I say that is the NCAA tournament has ratings on par with the NFL. And it's because it's single during March, yeah. Yeah. But there's no but there's also no football. I can right. guarantee you that if there's if there was if there was football in March, NFL football. During the NCAA tournament, it would dip their ratings considerably because the NFL is a machine. People play fantasy football. They bet. Like, there's so much more that goes into it. And the NBA, even though you have people who are degenerate gamblers who bet on the NBA and do do fantasy football, it's not even even close. It's not even close. If you watch – dude, if you turn on – the only people that cover NBA basketball are like the major – uh, ESPN FS1 shows like the the, the top F shows because they kind of have to create the controversy of is LeBron the goat? Can right. Gian, Giannis you know blah blah blah? Like it's like how do they they relive their resume or how do they how do they you know you know book their their legacy and all that stuff? Like there's no one like truly talking about basketball like substantively well, talking about I, basketball. I have a theory. I have a theory about why um, basketball why football is somewhat more entertaining. Um, then the NBA, especially in terms of like watching it on TV, is an NFL game in the final three minutes gets significantly more exciting mm-hmm. than it has been for the whole game. Um, if the game's close and one of the, you know, and like the team, oh, you're trying to get a defensive stop. You're trying to, you know, you got to go 80 yards. And you actually see teams do that on a, not a crazy regular basis, but enough that it keeps you interested. Where with basketball, because there's no Elam ending, um, the, the last two minutes of a game turns into this eight to 10 minute free throw competition. That's sure. not particularly fun to watch. And so to me, I think the thing that the only thing the NBA would need to do to take over as the preeminent sport, really probably in the world is to go to more of an Elam ending type conclusion to games. I think that yeah, but- would. And and play. I don't. Dis- I don't disagree. Games is too many. They should probably play something like forty-eight to sixty-two, something along those. Yeah, lines. I don't. I don't disagree that at the end of the game, uh, there are issues with how things are going. Um, but I don't Especially know if you should. What's that? Especially with all the replays now, and so, oh yeah, you know, review like review uh, this. Okay. It's it's hard to watch the fourth quarter of a basketball game sometimes, which is bad because that's really the best basketball up until you get to the less settled this was free throws point. Because fourth quarter basketball is amazing. There, I mean, those guys are 
throwing everything out at that point. You know, they're exhausted. It's entertaining. It's exciting. And then we get to the final, you know, two minutes to final five seconds. And it's, it just turns into this boring free throw contest that takes 10 to 20 minutes to go through. I wouldn't be in favor of doing an Elam ending, but what I would be in favor of is making it a quicker scenario. So like in the G league, if you get fouled in the last like two minutes, one free throw is worth two points. So like you penalize the team that's doing the following. So essentially like if you go to the free throw line, you miss, that's it. You only get one, it's one free throw. It's not sitting there and you're shooting two. And it's only for the last like two minutes right. of the game. I'm pretty sure that is. So maybe something like that, where it's like, if you're doing that, if there's, there's. I'm wearing my Greensboro. What's that? I'm wearing my Greensboro. Hey. I love G League. Shout out, sh- sh- shout out uh, Angelo Allegri, UNCG alum, uh, on the Greensboro Swarm. Um, good for him. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I really wanted. I, I really think there's some validity to that with uh, the end of the game, but also conversely, NFL football. It's it's increasingly more difficult to watch as an older person and you because yeah. of what we used to watch as kids. And so we're watching these games where the quarterback gets sacked and it's seemingly innocuous innocuous play. And then you go look back and there's a flag because the defensive yeah. player landed on him. Oh, I'm sorry. This is tackle football. Like I understand the hel- the helmet to helmet stuff, the launching. Um, all of that, all of those things should stay into place. There should be, there should be no targeting of players, all that stuff. But football is a violent sport. Keep it that way. Like this is what Americans love. We want to see them kick the shit out of each other. We want to see them dropping them on a bed of pillows. Like what is that? Like football, either for me at this point in my life, I would either want football to become as the players are as protected as they are in an NBA game, or I want to see them breaking each other's arms. Like it's, I mean, because the current configuration of football is nothing like what, I mean, could you imagine what would happen if without knowing the new rules, Ronnie Lott was just put into an NFL game right now? He would. Forget about, forget about Ronnie Lott, who's one of the hardest hitters ever. Just throw fucking mid Ryan Clark, who used to decapitate people in 2003. (laughs) Just like, I mean, he wasn't even the best safety. I mean, I, I mean, what about Lawrence Taylor? I mean, well, he did get a penalty when he uh, fucked up. What's his he name? broke Theismann's leg? Yeah, he, that was a flag on that. <laughs> he snapped his leg in half. Um, by the he way, did, quick, quick Joe Theismann story. He grabbed his leg and he <laughs> and bit it. <That's... laughs> quick, quick Joe oh, Theismann wait, story. Wait, Shout that out. That was <laughs> my buddy. My buddy Mike. Uh, Joe Theismann was at his house for a, you know some some birthday party, like the kids, he was, his granddaughter was there or whatever. And uh, I know Joe Theismann through mutual people, whatever. He's, you know, kind of a, you know, a, in person to person, he's a nice guy. I don't know anything about him really. And so um, I went up to him, hey, how are you? And Mike, who owns the house, was just like, hey, I'm a Giants fan. And he was like, good for you. And he was just like, you know who my favorite player is? And Joe was like, let me guess. He was like, Lawrence Taylor. He just walked away. <laughs> you know, what Original. Life. Was the worst moment of yours. So yeah, I mean, I, he he's got to run into that all the time. But it was just, I mean, he couldn't say anything because he's a guest in his home. I mean, I'll, <laughs> so, I'll, I'll be I'll, respectful. Like my two, like my two favorite players of all time are still Lawrence Taylor and Barry Sanders. So yeah, did you watch that documentary on Barry? I still haven't watched it yet. Um, I need to. Um, I, 
My you plan do, is do. to watch it when I've got nothing else going on because I'm going to watch the shit out of it. And I'll probably yeah. be watching it multiple times. But no, like when I was a kid, I like I went out of my way. And it was hard back then to see Lions games. I, you know, if one of my friends' yeah. parents had satellite, then I was going to there. Like it was like Barry Sanders was, it was crazy what that guy could do. Like I've, ne- I've never seen anything like it in sports where a single player had this physical advantage over everyone else in that way. It's crazy. When you, when and I know you probably know this, but when you were done with the documentary, go on, whether it's Wikipedia or just look up Barry Sanders college stats. Um, oh yeah. They talk about, but they, but in the documentary, not to give anything away, they talk about how there are multiple times he sat in like the fourth quarter and still had almost 3000 yards rushing the year he won the Heisman. Yeah. It's, and he also, and he also was like two of the best is like the, the only shitty stat he has in all of college football is he like threw the ball four times and only completed two of the passes. And people were like, that was like a big joke on the internet when the, when the documentary came out. What a loser! Only fifty percent completion percentage. <laughs> Piece of shit. I, uh, I that, watching him play football is the craziest thing I'd ever seen as a kid. It was it just blew my mind. Oh yeah, and same thing with Lawrence Taylor well, though. Like it was I just I had never seen a linebacker slash defensive end that could just toss. I mean, again, he was on a lot of coke, so like maybe that helped. But just tossing offensive linemen out of the way. <laughs> He just made me think of someone that we, we we both know well. I just saw one of his bits. I got to clip some of Jordan Fisher's uh, stuff one day and just kind of give him a shout out on the show. Not that he needs yeah. it, but it's just. But he's very funny, and he was talking about he's he was on the subway in New York, and some guy just lit up in front of him and was crack. And he was just like, he was like, "Let me tell you, you haven't seen anyone do crack before. That shit hits fast." <laughs> it's just the way his delivery was great because. Yeah, that was it was immediate. Uh, but I bet you, I bet you, Lawrence Taylor went to the to the locker room at halftime and smoked a little crack every once in a while to, to get that edge. I don't know. I don't know what he did. But I'm glad he did it. It's like you know, absolutely. Like, I feel like if I had been like 12 when like McGuire and Sosa were doing their thing, or when Bonds was knocking off what they had done, I feel like if I'd been a little kid, I'd be really bummed out watching baseball now that people aren't as juiced. Because that shit was exciting. So? Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was fun, like to see to see them on uh, in in at the All Star game when they're all wearing their cutoffs and their fucking arms are like the size of people's thighs. Like people don't, don't realize, players. like what's going on? Yeah, you guys don't realize, like these were like long the the see, people you see on IG that are like long drive competitors and weightlifters. That's what baseball players used to look like <laughs> for a little while. There was a there was a. It was a nice. I mean, a pretty nice window of like eighty six to two thousand, essentially maybe eighty two, because you had the Canseco McGuire years during that time. Um, I don't think I'm telling you, man, came into the league juicing. I think no, he was he was country strong, but then when he got with Canseco, they they did some stuff. My literally, we'll we'll end this because then we're getting up on an hour. But one of the if you haven't already purchased this or get it on your Spotify or whatever. Lonely Island did an entire Bash Brothers record. Yeah. And it's literally just songs about the two of them that are made up. Dude, if you haven't listened to it, 
it's the fucking funniest great. 12 songs you'll ever it's you know it's lonely island they did the dick in a box and that kind of stuff but it's hysterical and it's 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 totally worth whatever it is 99 cents or whatever it's hysterical i i, I play every every once in a while it's just on a shuffle and it'll be like this like really cool beat and it's just like it's all like jose canseco mark wire shit it's funny as hell excellent okay quick question before we Pre- go should Barry Bonds, yes. Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Agreed. Why do you agree? What's um, your reasoning? My primary reason is that even if you just took Barry Bonds' career pre the any accusations of steroids, um, he already mm-hmm. had a Hall of Fame career. And I think the same is probably true for Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, at least McGuire. Maybe not Sosa, but definitely McGuire. I mean, I'm gonna give you the Danny DeVito, man. No, no. I mean, Sammy Sosa was not a Hall of Famer before then. No, but however, neither was McGuire. No, neither was McGuire. That's not true. Like a, how many All Star teams did he make in his first six years? It was a lot. Yeah, but do you think? Okay, so this is the. You think he was juicing by his second or third year? Yes. Okay. Well, Bonds. I don't think. I don't think that's just. I know that. Now, so my point is, is like. I agree with you, but I also have to say this as a caveat. Pitchers were juicing too, so the, the playing field was even. That's that's the thing. So if you have juice head here, juice head here, and they're going against each other, the more talented player won. That's the first thing. The second point is, a who gives a shit? There wasn't. There was no nothing against it. The, all the writers knew. So the people that are voting are fucking hypocrites too, because they all knew it was happening. Hey, what's that bottle of pills you have up there? Oh yeah, it's a it's a supplement. Yeah, okay, dude. Yeah. We know it's steroids. Come on. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, it's it it doesn't matter whether it enhanced your physique. You still have to fucking hit the ball. You still have to. It all the only thing that it it did, in my opinion, because you know these guys still have to have. You talked about your eyes earlier. You still have to have phenomenal hand eye coordination and fast twitch fast twitch muscles, and these dudes all have that. And it just helped them recover faster, which was a big part of baseball anyway. They got they didn't get rid of greenies, the amphetamines all these guys were taking throughout the year. Like, it doesn't matter, dude. Like, Ty Cobb murdered someone and was a known racist, and he's in the fucking Hall of Fame. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Just put the guy in the Hall of, put them all yeah. in. And I think the only other thing that I think uh, people should emphasize is I think Greg Maddox should get more credit for his pitching, pitching career simply because he, oh, God, wasn't, yeah. he wasn't a power pitcher, but he was nope. that dominant. When everyone he was throwing to was great. Do you remember Fred, how big Fred McGriff was even before he got to Atlanta? Like when he was still playing in Detroit, yeah. like the the size of some of those guys. And well, I, that most of them Atlanta Braves pitching staff. Him and Glavin, because Glavin wasn't a fat, like didn't have a big fastball. He was he was Smoltz a nibbler as well. Smoltz was the best. Smoltz, Smoltz was more of a no. Smoltz was more of a, a flame ball, flame thrower, but at the same time, when he got hurt and he went to the bullpen and he came back, he he kind of he he has an incredible career too. Yeah. You're a starter, you're a dominant starter, you blow your your arm out, you go and be a closer, you're a dominant closer, and then you come back as a starter. I mean, yeah. fucking guy was incredible. Uh, but no, I agree. Greg Maddox won Tom Glavin too. Like, right? It's like it's insane. That it, it is, it is. But I mean, maybe it's because they're you know guys. Were, weren't very clutch. I think if we go back and look at some of their some of their issues, they just. But it is insane that at least win like two titles. You know what I mean? Like, like one here and then a hiatus and then a one in like the fourth or fifth year. That is, it is pretty pretty strange. 
Anyway, my dad I think was we a saved Buffalo a bunch Bills of things and an Atlanta Braves fan at the same time. I'm sorry, what did you say? My dad was a Buffalo Bills and Atlanta Braves fan at the same time. Do you know how hard your dad was for him? <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about it like that. That's great. Um, no wonder quick, he's so violent. Speak for your. Let me know the answer to this question. Speak for your. Speak for your your late father and and say, would your dad have been at a tailgate jumping onto a table like Bill's Mafia, but with it being on fire? Would your dad be? Would your dad be down with that? Uh, he would have been the one squirting the lighter fluid and lighting it. <laughs> he wouldn't have done it himself, but he would have been encouraging the person that was like trying to work up the nut to do it. He would definitely be like, "Do it, do it. Come on, what? What are you afraid?" <laughs> <laughs> All right, in honor of great, great father, this episode has been now been a full tribute to my sad dad in the nineties. <laughs> well, my dad's still alive, so tribute to you, buddy. <laughs> let's let's let good good for for dads everywhere. We're this is James and Mark saving the world once again. We'll be back next we did week. It. We'll let you we know. We did it again. We did it again. Peace. All right, later, guys.